1: Hey everybody, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington on a beautiful sunny day. Going to be really warm and uh, it was a good day for baseball yesterday for the Wildcats. We'll talk uh, a little bit about that as we move through the show among other things today. Chris Fisher will join us from catspaws.com and then... Per usual on Wednesdays, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Lots of Kentucky basketball to talk about with those two guys. As we get into the Wildcat news of the day, and we'll start by taking a look at the SEC scoreboard from last night. Because if you're a Kentucky fan, you're doing a little scoreboard watching now. Hoping the Wildcats can find their way into one of those top four seeds for the SEC tournament. Which starts two weeks from tonight in Nashville and that obviously would mean they wouldn't play until Friday. And right now, uh, well, let's just go through the scores, and then we'll get to the standings. Florida beat Auburn last night, 74-57. Sharif Cooper, out with an ankle injury, did not play for Auburn, and they had north of 20 turnovers, and uh, Florida controlled this from start to finish. So the Gators will certainly come in on a high note for their game with Kentucky on Saturday afternoon in Rupp Arena. Kentucky dusted them uh, last time, uh, but... Uh, Florida has, I think, gone seven and three since then. So, uh, playing well, but they uh, always have, have thrown in a few inexplicable losses along the way, like a, a loss to South Carolina uh, and a loss to Mississippi State. So, uh, Florida with a big win last night. Uh, Ole Miss won at Missouri, sixty to fifty-three. Now, what's uh, noteworthy here is that that knocks Mizzou down to seven and seven, tied with Kentucky. In the uh, SEC standings, uh, Ole Miss has now moved to eight and seven in league play, but Kentucky still has a game left against the Rebels. Uh, I've always thought that was going to be, the looking down the stretch, if Kentucky could get on a run, that was going to be the toughest spot Late on a Tuesday night on the road against a team that plays some different zones and uh, one three one half court traps some some unusual defensive looks that you don't typically see and so all of that combined I always thought that was going to make that a tough game but got to get by the Gators first if you're the Cats uh, Georgia got a triple double from Severe Wheeler I think I saw the first one ever for Georgia basketball and they beat LSU ninety one to seventy eight so. You've got LSU at nine and five in third place right now. Uh, Kentucky would have the tiebreaker over them, uh, should it get to uh, a tie situation. Uh, Florida's eight and five. Uh, Kentucky, if it wins Saturday, would have swept would have swept the Gators, um, but would need obviously LSU and Florida to to um, take more losses. Uh, Tennessee eight and six in league play in fifth place right now. Uh, Ole Miss in sixth at eight and seven, but still uh, a game between Kentucky and Ole Miss to come. And then the Wildcats are tied with Mizzou at seven and seven in seventh place at the moment. Um, my guess is Kentucky's going to end up fifth or fourth. Um, I think is how this will play out, uh, and so they'll uh, be on the the side where they would potentially run into Alabama on Saturday instead of Sunday. That's just. Uh, my hunch, I think Kentucky is uh, got a great chance to win out. I think they'll win Saturday. I think the one at Ole Miss is going to be really, really tough. That's that's the more dicey one uh, in my mind. And then hopefully they'll get two conference games at the end of next week. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Hope sometime here, maybe after they get through tonight's games, the league will come out on maybe Friday with uh, a plan for what the makeup games are going to look like the following weekend uh tennessee by the way is in action tonight and they're at vandy and you know vandy doesn't have a great record but played kentucky down to the wire twice uh had alabama down late uh last weekend so this is a a game certainly tennessee could lose and that would be a seventh league loss for the vols so that's one to watch tonight uh, tennessee at vandy uh, U.K. signees Damian Collins and Nolan Hickman, named to the McDonald's All-America team. Uh, U.K. baseball beats Miami of Ohio in the season opener 5-1. to one. Freshman pitcher Ryan Hagenow that uh, we talked about yesterday with Darren Hedrick. He had an impressive debut. Four innings pitched, one hit, no runs, six Ks. T.J. Collette hit one of the three first-inning home runs for Kentucky. Hit it over the center field fence. They've only had three of those, and he's had two of them for Kentucky, which had, uh, I think, three first-inning home runs, and they paid tribute uh, to Ben Jordan in a couple of different ways yesterday. Uh, Tiger Woods' uh, injury yesterday was one of the big sports stories nationally, serious leg injuries. Uh, You think about, uh, in recent time, Alex Smith, the quarterback for uh, the Washington football team, and how he was able to come back from uh, what looked like a, an injury nobody would be able to come back from to his leg. You also can go back to the late 40s and Ben Hogan, who was in a serious car accident like Tiger. And Hogan came back, just looking this up this morning, to win 12 tournaments, including six majors. Uh, now he was, I think, uh, at a younger point in his career, but nevertheless, um, Tiger Woods um, uh, sends, uh, sends some prayers up for him in a, what's going to be, a, am sure, a long long recovery um and probably uh maybe more surgeries i don't know we'll see in the coming days what the the news is links to the stories that we talk about you can find them on the bud light leach report page at tom heading to a break chris fisher from the cat's paws when we come right back our show is served up by wild eggs of lexington
0: You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report,
1: and visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com at Chris Fisher twenty four seven on Twitter. And uh, Kentucky's on a, a nice roll at the moment, Chris, with three straight wins and an impressive one most recently last Saturday down in Knoxville. Um, What is your take on what has led to this turnaround?
0: Yeah, I think if you've watched the last couple games, it's really not hard to see. Turnovers are down, assists are up, they're sharing the ball that's leading to more open shots, which has led to uh, a higher – Field goal percentage, especially from the three. I think they've made double digit threes in two of their last four games and, you know, shooting close to, I think, over 36% from three, which is uh, very, very respectable on the season, especially after such a, a cold start. I think they shot 25% from three in the non conference. And that just seems like it's opened up everything else for this team offensively. When you have shooting threats on the perimeter, it's going to open up the driving lanes and uh and that's really benefited kentucky offensively and then defensively they've always had the potential they've had stretches where they've played unbelievable uh defensively and i think you saw that in the first half of the the statement win at tennessee on on saturday
1: a couple of interesting things from a numbers perspective kentucky is and this is very atypical of calipari teams they're dead last in the league in two-point field goal percentage and second in three-point percentage.
0: That is uh, very atypical. You, you th- when you think of John Calipari's teams, you think of all those lobs around the rim and dynamic guards that can you know go one-on-one and, and get to the rim and create their own shot or, or create a shot for, for someone else, and that's just not how this team is built. And I think that's why you've seen John Calipari harping on guys shooting open shots because this team just doesn't have the players to create a lot of open shots, and so when you get one, you better take it. And a lot of times with this team, an open three pointer is about as well as you're going to do. And I think that's why you're seeing him, uh, you know, really get on guys uh, to to take those open threes.
1: Uh, and on the uh, the defensive side, Kentucky is seventh in. Conference games in defensive efficiency, and yet they're 25th in the country because you have some uh, teams that uh, really uh, rank highly uh, uh, defensively uh, in this league this year, led by uh, Alabama. For all the talk about their three-point shooting, uh, they're first in the league and, and one of the better teams in the country in uh, defense.
0: Yeah, if you look and and that's another area where the proof is is pretty much in the pudding. I mean, if you look at John Calipari's tenure at Kentucky more often than not his teams are going to finish near the uh, the top nationally in in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency ratings. John Calipari just knows how to teach defense and I think even bigger than that he can get young players to play hard consistently at the defensive end and I think that's a Typically, a really big obstacle for young players. These guys come from AAU a lot of times, where they focus on their offense, and, and frankly, they're you know bigger, faster, quicker, more physical uh, than a lot of the guys that they're going against, either in, in travel basketball or on uh, the, the high school level. And so,
1: um,
0: the, kudos to, to John Calipari. Like I said, he by the end of the year, his teams are are usually ranked near near the top in that category
1: and one thing he typically likes to do is uh, get to a point where he has a, a shorter rotation he doesn't like to play uh, nine or ten guys and uh, you have a story up at Catspaws.com about how that has uh, finally worked itself out for him this season.
0: yeah if you've if you've been wondering where where Dante Allen went where Lance Ware went, uh, the last couple of games, it was pretty clear that, that John Calipari had, uh, had shortened out that, that rotation. And like you said, that's typically what he normally does. I think seven is, is kind of the ideal number for him. And then, you know, that way you can give guys a, a blow, um, or, you know, if you have foul trouble or if you have an off shooting night or, uh, that kind of thing, you can, you can bring someone off the bench, but clearly Kentucky has found something with that group, uh, that is clicking. I, I think with the, the improved play of BJ Boston, uh, especially with his perimeter shooting, there's not m- as much of a need to bring in a Dante Allen off the bench. And then you look at the, the way Isaiah Jackson has just completely blossomed, uh, over the last couple of games. Not as much of a need to, to bring in Lance Ware off the bench and so uh they have it uh they have it rolling right now it's it's a little unfortunate that that uh that last night's game versus texas a&m was postponed because you felt like this team you know really had it rolling and obviously texas a&m has been struggling not you know not just on the court but off the court as well with the covid testing and uh felt like kentucky was was going to pick up another win and, and keep it going saturday uh against florida
1: we're chatting with Chris Fisher from CatsPaws.com. We'll take a break. Come back for one more segment. Kyle Tucker in the second half of the Leech Report for Wednesday. Look for the Leech Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. 24 past the top of the hour. We're chatting with Chris Fisher from CatsPaws.com. You were... Uh, Talking about Isaiah Jackson, um, you follow these guys uh, in covering the recruiting scene. and How has Isaiah's play and game evolved relative to what you expected?
0: I think everyone expected him to be a menace uh, defensively. You just look at uh, the length, the the shot-blocking instincts, the athleticism, uh, the the lateral quickness. Uh, all the tools were there for him to be one of those type of guys that that you know kentucky hasn't really had in in the last couple of years we saw nick richards flash some of that uh, ability as a junior it wasn't really there um, as much in his first two years at kentucky but the defensive potential was always there for isaiah jackson the thing to me that has been impressive has been uh, the maturation of, of his offensive game. Um, his ability to catch the ball and face up where he becomes an immediate mismatch. I mean, you look at the move that he put on Fulkerson where he jab stepped to the middle and drove baseline and, and went under and dunked was as impressive uh, an individual play as I've seen from Kentucky this season. I think that's why you're seeing uh, his name, you know, continue to move up uh, the draft boards potentially into uh, that lottery area. I think of Kentucky's draft prospects. I think he has by far the the highest ceiling as he continues to uh, to polish his uh, his offensive game.
1: A couple of future Wildcats were named McDonald's All-Americans yesterday: Damian Collins and Nolan Hickman. And um, is Hickman a guy that was regarded as that highly rated when they initially got the commitment from him?
0: he's been top 30 nationally in in our rankings uh for some time now uh even back when he committed to Kentucky in August and so he was kind of on that um you know kind of on the the cut line but it says a lot about um him as a as a guard and his performance uh this season he's had a couple uh, really really nice games against some high profile opponents had a big game and a win over Oak Hill Academy earlier this season and um, Kentucky I think definitely found a, a, a somewhat of a hidden gem in, in Nolan Hickman there wasn't you know he was a guy that was not on uh, Kentucky's recruiting radar um, even you know a, a handful of months before he committed to Kentucky it really came out of the blue which is something you just don't see in today's day and age of recruiting.
1: One of the the names that's getting a lot of buzz lately, and this is a class of twenty two players. Nick Smith, uh, a shooting guard, that uh, originally wasn't Kentucky wasn't in his final ten, right?
0: Yeah, I think it says a lot about his interest in Kentucky in that he cuts his list to ten, and Kentucky. Comes calling and and he adds uh, them to his his list. I think that says a lot about his interest level. I think if Kentucky were to offer, they would automatically become the team to beat for for Nick Smith, who is you know somewhat similar to um, other Ar- you know dynamic Arkansas guards like Archie Goodwin and, and Malik Monk, both of whom who uh, you know obviously went on to to play for Kentucky. You
1: know, do you see uh, this? At one point during the struggles uh, for Kentucky, uh, somebody asked Cal about you know, what he'd learned um, through this, and one of the things he talked about was uh, the, the heightened emphasis on uh, shooters in college basketball. And he talked about, you know, sac, You know, would how much do you sacrifice defense to get more shooting? Basically uh or or you know, give a little bit on on what you see on the defensive end if you can gain some on the uh, offensive end are you seeing in some uh, recruiting moves that they're maybe uh taking a look at more in that direction
0: yeah i think john is always going to value defense and and rebounding that's just kind of who he is at at his core but i do think the offer to to trevor keels the the five star shooting guard here recently does signal uh I guess, a a change in in that approach. I'm not saying – I think Trevor Keels is a tremendous two-way prospect and has a lot of uh, potential defensively, and so I think that's something that that John Calipari is always going to value. But his ability to to shoot the ball and and his overall offensive game, um, you know, speaks heavily to the needs that this Kentucky roster will still Face going into next season, you, there's still the need for for outside shooting, and it remains to be seen how much you know. I think John Calipari is going to change his his overall philosophy. Again, I, I, at the end of the day, I still think he he wants to beat you with with rebounding and defense, and and I think over the course of you know 30 years, he's proven that that he can do that.
1: Chris, thanks much as always. All right, thanks. That's Chris Fisher from Catspaws. Dot com. On Twitter, it's at ChrisFisher247. Got a note uh, from Rick on the email. As a lifelong Cat fan, you can't express in words how it uh, made him feel to beat, uh, see the beatdown of the Vols on Saturday since he lives in Tennessee. And he said you can't understand the importance of this game until you've lived here after migrating from Kentucky. So good for you, Rick. We'll be right back with Kyle Tucker from the NFL. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. From the Clarks Puppet Shop studio, it's the Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Got a note from uh, a listener, uh, Jeff, via email at leachreport at gmail.com. He enjoyed our conversation yesterday about the 1979 SEC tournament. He said it seemed like Kyle Macy, Truman Collider, never missed. I wonder how many of those would have been threes. Uh, I would say a bunch. Um, So thanks for the note, Jeff. 1979 was the last time. uh, It was the the first year they brought the SEC tournament back since the 40s. And probably the the only time, I think, that Kentucky uh, went to the tournament knowing that its only hope of making it to the NCAA tournament was to win the SEC tournament. And they nearly pulled it off. Kyle Tucker joins us now on the Clark- on the uh, Hempworks dot com hotline. So that's the situation Kentucky uh, finds itself in. Um, there might be a sliver of an at large bid if they got above five hundred, but um, a lot of things would have to fall into place. So really, their their shot is to win the SEC tournament. Kyle, and um, yep. what's your optimism level that they could pull that off? Uh, how far has it moved up now in recent weeks?
2: I'd say quite a bit. I mean, you know, I think, I think one notable thing is that we've now seen them twice in the league uh, win three in a row. Uh, you know, to me, it would boost my optimism a lot more to see them win four in a row because I think that's what ultimately what they're, what they're going to have to do. It, it's going to be pretty dicey for them to slide up into that fourth spot. It's still, I guess, maybe possible depending on how many games get made up and if some teams lose. Um, but it looks like it's going to be four games in four days. Um, that's a tougher ask, obviously. Um, but, but the thing that kind of keeps sticking out with me in terms of, you know, can they do it is that they have been in position to beat every team in the league uh, in the final four minutes. You know, every single team in the league. Uh, they've beaten Florida, LSU, um, and Tennessee now um, by double digits, two of them on the road. Um, and then, you know, we're in position to beat Alabama. Um they were you know in position. they were, had the lead were 14 seconds to go to beat Arkansas. Those are the top five teams in the league. Um, you know, and, and we're right there on the road against Missouri. So um, they're certainly good enough. I mean, we, we know that. We, we know they're good enough. I think the fact that you've seen Keon Brooks really get comfortable. I mean, you know, he missed nine games, so he hasn't played a ton yet. And, but these last five he's been really good we've seen Isaiah Jackson kind of become a star, which this team didn't really have one. Uh, and we've seen Davion Metz really take charge as the guy that says, give me the ball, I'll make this shot. Uh, and he's made a bunch of them. So, you know, what we saw Saturday in Knoxville, to me, was the most vintage, you know, John Calipari, Kentucky, that we've seen out of this group of, you know, this, this year's team uh, yet. It actually, you know, you could actually look at that, that game and that team, and say this looks like, you know, what we expect from Kentucky. So if we see that again Saturday against a pretty good Florida team, uh, I think my optimism would go up uh, even further.
1: Yeah, I mentioned yesterday that uh, they uh, what they've done at the moment when you look at their worksheet is something they did back in early January. They won three in a row, and it culminated with a, a blowout road win over a good Florida team. And they've won three in a row now, culminating with a, a big road blowout win over a good Tennessee team. But it it feels and looks different to me than it did then, mainly because you have more guys, you know, what Jackson's doing now, the way Boston's grown, et cetera, that this feels more, uh, you know. I was encouraged at that time, this feels more legit. What about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think think for all the reasons you're saying there, I mean, I I, I think these aren't like – like when they beat Florida, and that felt like the big breakthrough win at the end of that three-game, a winning streak similar to this this Tennessee uh, game. That was the first time we'd seen Keon Brooke. Um You know, it was the first time we'd seen seen a few things. Now you've got guys stringing together good games. I mean, I, I almost lump Arkansas in, um, yeah. with this winning streak and make it four. You know, stretch it out to four games in many ways because really it just came down to one. Botched play at the end, but um they finished that game really strong, otherwise you know they they had kind of started to learn how to close games starting with that arkansas game um and so you you're we're talking four or five games in a row now where we've seen a bunch of different guys play well um you know b j boston um is still a little hit or miss, but he's a much different and and as much as anything even if he has an off night now you know a lot of times it might be an off night on eight shots not an off night on 15 shots and half of them are bad um and all those things are pretty significant i
1: think isaiah jackson uh is emerging into a hard to guard guy i can tell you he really didn't have one of those and you know now he is getting you know he's uh, facing up he's as i said yesterday if you if you've uh, stood at the SEC logo in the middle of the paint and drew a line to a spot 12 feet out on each baseline. That's the triangle in, in which he kind of operates. But it's not yeah. just, you know, lobs and dunks. It's, you know, he's going out now and uh, he's uh, he can make the 15-footer. So you have to come out and play him for that, and he can blow by you like he did on Fulkerson. He's getting to the line. He's making those. And, uh, you know, a a hard-to-guard guy is a nice thing to add.
2: Yeah, when especially when the hard to guard guy might have just you know blocked your shot into the tenth yeah. row on the other end, uh, you know I think I guess the way I would say it is Isaiah gives them the the guy who could be a demoralizer. You know, I mean he can really I think demoralizer for the other team and energizer for your team. I
1: mean, yeah, you
2: know when he when he blocks that shot and then comes down the other end faces you up and crams it on your head, I mean that that both Breaks you down and lifts up uh, his team, and so uh, I, I think it's it's not at all insignificant. It, you know, is it too little, too late? Maybe, but you know, I would say this: if I would say that, I would imagine there's a bunch of people that do, would like not like to see Kentucky get it done uh, and get there because they're going to be, if they get to the NCAA tournament, they're going to be very hot and they're going to be a low seed. And some some really good team that's had a really nice year in the second round is going to end up in maybe first round, uh, having to deal with a team that's still got a bunch of pros on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they're probably going to end up fifth or fourth in the SEC, um, and depending on how things play out, and that would mean they uh, would have to potentially go through Alabama if, if things played out on Saturday instead of Sunday. But I, I go back to that seventy nine. Uh, tournament. Uh, that's what that team had to do. They they faced the the best team in the league, eighth ranked LSU, in the semifinals and and beat them. And uh, but your your point about you know that Kentucky should have confidence no matter who they would run into because uh, they've gone toe to toe with everybody.
2: Yeah, I, I just you know, I Alabama's probably the closest thing to you know. uh Oh, we don't really want to see them. But out and even then, again, you you're right there. But outside of Alabama, there's no reason for Kentucky to feel like, you know, I hope we don't draw this matchup, right? Because they they have, you know, they 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 have looked as good or better than every team in the league at some point, you know, late in the game. If they haven't beaten them, they've come close.
1: Yeah. You know, the. Um... Cal has shortened his rotation. Uh, Jacob Toppin's playing really well at the moment, so he's the seventh guy, and then Dante usually gets a a few minutes. And you know, his his minutes have uh, have slipped as as Boston has been more consistent. And also for Dante, I think you know, teams uh, understood came to understand that you just you know you are going to crowd him, you are not going to let him breathe, you are going to make him have to dribble the ball, and um, so the the shots have been harder to come by. I think. I think he's a guy that. Well, two things. I think number one, long term, he can play. He'll just need to add more to his game, uh, but he can he can play here definitely. And the other thing is, you know, if you make an SEC tournament run, especially you have to do four, if you have to do four games in four days to get to the NCAA tournament, I think he has a big game at some point in there. Just because you're going to have to go a little deeper in your rotation over that kind of stretch
2: yeah absolutely. you know, and I think over time as he played more games and more teams got to look at him and he made the scouting report and and people made him do other things, you saw some of the reasons that maybe he hadn't played sooner. you know yes, he started started out great, shot the ball great. We know he could shoot he's a he's a very pure shooter. Um, but there were some limitations defensively uh, if he's not just a catch and shoot guy, whether he can whether he can put the ball on the ground, whether he can you know be a good passer. Um, and so those have been some limitations. We've seen some of those things now. And Calipari keeps sort of saying, without, you know, without directly calling it out, he said multiple times, I'm around these guys every day. I know what they can and can't do. I know what the best role for them is. And, and there have been reasons to question him this year on some things. And, you know, maybe does he really know? Cause you're, you're five and 13, uh, at one point. But I think by and large, a coach, if he thinks a guy can really play and help the team and play heavy minutes, is going to have him out there, especially when you're losing. Um, and, and so I think we have maybe come back to reality on Dante a little bit, that he's a really good shooter who's got to, as you said, he's got to round out his game in the next year or two, uh, but can absolutely help Kentucky uh, for the long term. And, and I think that's a great point, too, that when if you got to go win four in four days, you cannot. I mean, you can't play all your your, your guys thirty five minutes a game four days in a row. You know, you're not going to have anything left. Um, and so that'll be interesting too. Like, how does Cal manage? How does he try to manage the minutes to, to knowing that you know I've got to win this whole thing. Um, you know, it, it can't even be just get the Sunday. I've got to win this whole thing. I, I'll be I'll be really curious to see how he tries to keep guys
1: somewhat fresh. We're heading to a break. Kyle Tucker's with us. You can read him at theathletic.com. Great time to subscribe with tournaments just around the corner. It's the Leach Report radio network served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Todd. the well, away from the top of the hour, we're chatting with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com on the... KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. NBA All-Star Reserves were announced yesterday. Anthony Davis made it, no surprise there. Julius Randle going to an All-Star game for the first time. Unfortunately, no Devin Booker, which LeBron James tweeted out about that injustice. But uh, for Julius, Kyle, uh, he's having an amazing year. I always take a stat that gets overlooked for what he did. He had 24 double-doubles in his one season at Kentucky. And Dan was the only guy that had more in a season um had 25 in in 1970. So, uh Julius uh had a tremendous season here and uh after a few years is emerging as uh, quite a force now for the Knicks, I'm sure with a little help from Kenny Payne.
2: Yeah, that that's been uh a huge deal for him, I think. I mean, Cal Perry mentioned it, uh Julius has talked about it. Um, you know, he and Kenny really had a close re- relationship. When I wrote the big profile on Kenny a couple of years ago. And a big part of that was all the talking to all the NBA guys who, who told me about big Henry, uh, uh, Kenny's treadmill that he would run them to death on. Um, you know, he has this, this uh, crazy, it was a cra- I can't remember the exact details of it anymore, but it was like, you, you sprint for one minute, you jog for two minutes, but it was like eight-mile-an-hour eight, eight mile an hour jog, 11-mile-an-hour sprint, so it's flying any way you're going. And and you do that off and on, I think, for 40 or 45 straight minutes. Um, and Julius never could complete it. And he said, I can't remember Kenny telling me that That last year, I think it was, uh, Julius' mom called Kenny and said, Julius just called me, and he was so proud of himself. He had, he's got his own treadmill, and he's been trying for six years to finish your workout, and he finally he finally did it. He finally finished it. Um, and he, if you notice, his body is really um, he's in the best shape of his life. I mean, he's really lost a lot of weight, gotten super fit, and he's kind of carrying that Knicks team to contending for a playoff spot. So, yeah, it's- so really cool for him. Not not a lot of guys break through in, as an all-star in year seven. He's had some great stats all through his career, but the knock on him was, you know, are they empty stats on losing teams? And now he's a guy that's that are the best numbers of his career on a team that you know the best Knicks team in a, in a good while. So uh, cool to see from him. I, I I always always thought he was maybe the most underrated guy of the Calipari era. I think, and I'm trying. I've always tried to figure out why. I guess because he was sort of um, it was just so so almost commonplace for him to get those double-doubles that maybe we, we failed to appreciate them. I think also because uh, Aaron Harrison became the face of that run to the national championship game um, that we forget how dominant Julius was. Uh, but he was good all through that NCAA tournament as well. Oh, and, uh, tremendous. So it was cool. Really cool thing to see. It was a cool. Uh, there was a video I retweeted it last night of they. His mom recorded a video congratulating him, and they played it on the jumbotron at the arena during the game last night. And Julius' face smiling watching that was a, a really neat thing to see. And I, I I mentioned that at the Elite Eight against Michigan, uh, I was watching across the court in the second half, and I saw his mom. Uh, get up and she was crying and she was leaving and so i kind of got up from press row and and jogged out walked out with her and she was in tears because she had to go back to work in texas and her boss wouldn't give her the the, that monday or whatever day off, and she she left in the second half of the elite eight and, and couldn't be there to watch it but you'll remember he his whole drive to get to the final four was because it was back home in texas yeah, uh, and so that was a cool thing for him to be able to do that. So, just a really neat thing for Julius and for his mom and for that family, and she doesn't have to worry about checking with her boss anymore.
0: Uh, no. which is which is great.
1: Uh, well, let's cycle back to uh, this team and uh, a guy you've uh, written about most recently at the Athletic uh, is uh, Davian Mintz, who is in quite a uh, shooter's groove right now.
2: Yeah, five five straight. He was. I, I was wondering if he was going to. Uh, he was going to threaten the uh, the Tayshon Prince and the uh, well, what was was Tayshon five in a row or was Tayshon was fast?
1: five in a row to start the game? The first five shots Kentucky made were were his threes. But uh, I, I joked with Mike in the first half. It, uh, David was going to change jerseys with Jody Meeks and put on that or with uh, Isaiah Jackson to put on that twenty three.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was uh, that that was remarkable. It uh, also weird that he didn't score again, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but he 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 set the tone for them for sure in that, and, and that coming on the heels of of all the big shots. That's kind of one of the things I, I wrote about talking to his father, to Davion's father, um, about where that came from. You know, wh- where does that kind of clutch? mentality come from and i thought it was interesting that it was sort of nurtured into him his dad very early uh, him and his older brother on a ymca team and and he had a a great approach to it he said it didn't it doesn't matter if you win ymca games and so i was trying to put kids in in situations that would see how they respond you know put them in uh stressful moments and see how they respond and and davion always wanted his older brother on the floor with him because he thought his brother was better and made him more comfortable but his dad would often separate them for that reason just to make Davion perform on his own and see what he could do and they were down in a game at the very end and he took his brother out and Davion was mad why don't you put the good guy in and he says you know you you are the good guy you're going to get this you're going to go make this game winning shot um and he did it so I, I thought that was that was really interesting and, and probably folks will also be interested to read in the story his dad's thoughts on another year I think it's it is officially on the table for Davion men. so I don't think it's a guarantee, but they are, they are certainly open to it and thinking about
1: it. You can read that at TheAthletic.com from Kyle Tucker, who joins us every Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. We'll close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. We're sending prayers up today for our buddy, Coach Steve Ortmeyer, the uh, special teams guru and ends coach under Rich Brooks and a uh, longtime coach and executive of the National Football League. Uh, John Wong writes at uh, justthecats.com that Coach Ort is battling stage 4 cancer. So uh, keep him and his uh, family in your thoughts. And prayers, um, you know, he is a savant when it comes to special teams. Uh, you know, in, in much the same way, you could the, the, the guy you hire to paint your house is different from the guy that would paint a portrait or lady. Um, and same way with uh, Ort in terms of a typical special teams coach and then a guy like that. Uh, so uh, we uh, wish him well in his uh, battle. Our This Day in UK History note presented by the new Rave On app, This Day in 1988. The Cats entered a two-game skid with a 95-69 route of LSU and Baton Rouge. Winston Bennett led the way with 24. A uh, couple of uh, top five upsets last night. Illinois losing to Michigan State 81-72. The Blue Bloods are coming back. And uh, Oklahoma lost at Kansas State 62-57. to See you tomorrow on The Leach Report. Thanks
0: for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow